Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This pod's too good to be true. Can't take my ears off Natch Butte. To my podcast app I clutch. I want to listen so much. At long last Friday's arrived. And I thank God I'm alive. This pod's too good to be true. Can't take my ears off Natch Butte. Welcome, everybody, to Natch Butte. Welcome to Natch Butte, the beauty podcast where we have fun, we laugh, and we cream. Welcome. I am your host and your guide, Jackie J. The beauty talk, shock talk, the queen of creams, your host of the most serums and freshest fringe on the West Coast, your favorite over 30 niche influencer, and your kooky southern aunt. Welcome to Natch Butte. Now, I do have a lot of titles, and my guest today also has a lot of titles. As you know, if you've been listening to the show, I have spoken to hundreds of women on Nashbute, but today I have a first, honey. Today on Nashbute, the first military veteran that I've spoken to on Nashbute, honey. Yes, women serve our country. We are here to celebrate that. We are here to discuss that with my guest, who has many, many titles. My guest is a mother, a wifey, a Chicago native, a disabled army veteran, a cancer survivor, and now a motivational speaker. Life has tried it with her many times. Life through her cancer, hurricanes, mental illness, homelessness, all of those things. She said, nope. She said, nope. She said, I am resilient. She started her own nonprofit, Final Salute Inc., an organization that provides homeless female veterans with safe and sustainable housing. She also has incredible skin. And I have a feeling a beauty regimen that could knock us all over. Also, I just want to say she was early to my Zoom appointment because she said the military has stuck with her. And I respect it because I live in L.A. where everybody's a flake. And I was here early as well because we are kindred souls in that way. Please welcome on Nashbute, my very exciting guest, Major Jazz Booth. Welcome to Nashbute. Hello. Thank you. It's great to be here. I am so pleased that you are here. Can I call you Major Jazz or is that too much? Of course. No, go for it. You earned that, right? We love (laughs) the title. Yes, I did. You earned that. Yes, honey. Thank you so much for being here, Major Jazz. It is so exciting to speak with you about all of your work and all of your journey and everything you've been through. I'm going to start with the questions I ask everybody on Nashville. The first question is, what type of skin do you have? I have goddess skin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I would have to agree. Goddess skin is exact. That's all you need to say. I believe that in essence, when you look at gods and goddesses, you see them as being perfect beings. But I see humans as all imperfect beings. But it's our imperfect our imperfections that make us unique and that make us stand out. So regardless of, of what people may see of me, all I see is beauty and all I see is per- perfection within my imperfection. And she is a poet. Add that to your resume. She is a poet. (laughs) Beautiful. Do you remember 
the first beauty product that you ever bought or used in your life. Take us back. When was that? What was it? I remember my grandmother used to put Noxzema on our faces. That probably was the earliest thing that I can remember putting in my face was that little, little big blue bottle with that white cream in it, and it was Noxzema. That's yes. right. I I also partaked in the Noxzema, and when I was a baby, my mother caught me with it all over me and all over the mirror because it was fun to smear. It it, it really was. But the burn, though, the burn, though, I don't think that's so. I don't think whatever that ingredient is that like kind of menthol. I don't think that's a good ingredient anymore. My grandmother said, if you feel it, that means it's working. But they were told many things in their generations. And it was like, hey, if you can't feel it, it means it's working. That's why Listerine used to burn. Um, because, hey, it had to burn for it to clean bacteria. And now it doesn't. It doesn't have alcohol in it. So it was just like, hmm, grandma, I don't think that was right. <laughs> is your grandmother from the South? She is. Both of my grandparents and both of my sides of my uh, grandparents are from Mississippi. <laughs> so I'm from Dallas. And that is a Southern woman thing like you gotta feel it to know it's there (laughs) so i relate to that and we see you grandma we see you out there (laughs) and we understand what you went through and what you put us through we see you today major jazz this is a bonus question i threw in for you do you have a favorite animal and what is it do we like cats do we like dogs do we like giraffes do we like i think i like dogs until i kept two of my son's puppies while he was deployed then I learned very quickly that I was not a dog person because I'm not a poop person. Yeah. But I'm an animal lover, but not a animal owner. <laughs> that, you know what? And again, that's, you know, your boundaries and that's important. We respect it. Okay. My last warm up question. This is Natch Butte. After all, I ask this of everyone. What is the most beautiful thing about you? The most beautiful thing about me is my spirit. Period. Yeah. It's my spirit. There are, as you know, so many stories I could tell. There are so many lessons that I have learned. But I believe it has always been the resilience of my spirit that that brought me through. Beautiful. We will get into some of those stories because what a story. What a life. The first thing I would love to get into, because this is Natch Butte after all, is just your relationship with your beauty. Take me back. Take me back to young Jazz before she was a decorated veteran, before she had the titles. What was beauty like for you? Had you were you into self-care? Were you into makeup and hair and things? Or did you find that later in life? Take us back. I had a very strong misconception about beauty as being young because I always thought beauty was what others saw in me. I never thought about if I was cute. If someone else told me I was cute, then I believed I was cute. If someone told me I was ugly, then I believed I was ugly. So I was always the representation of what others thought of me. Didn't really think about self-esteem. Didn't really think of self-care, any of those those types of things. I was just always wanting to belong. I always wanted people to like me. And I never really thought about, I didn't need the likes or the opinions or approval of others until I found spirituality. So your spirituality helped you realize how beautiful you are. It did because with your spirituality, it's all from within. And so you realize that outer beauty is surface. Beauty fades with time if you believe that it's only superficial and it's on the outside. But I learned to love my heart, to love my soul, to love how I help people, to learn how I relate to people. And if my 
something would happen to me today where the where people perceive me as ugly, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't a beautiful person just because it's my spirit. <laughs> That's right. And guess what? You can't buy spirit in a jar. You cannot. You cannot buy it anywhere. Even that Noxima jar. Sorry, Grandma. There's no spirit in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely true. That was something in that jar, but it definitely wasn't spirit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Major... Let's talk about a career in military. When a young woman reaches the age to leave the house, make something of herself, there's so many options. You chose to pursue a career in the military. What, what, what was this decision? Was there somebody in your life who inspired this? What was your thinking? Because I feel there are many women out there who maybe don't even know that this is a path for them. This is an option. Well, I will tell you that I always put education first. Definitely being a minority and being born and raised in a project Chicago, education isn't something that, that's pushed. What's pushed for minority populations or impoverished populations is survival. And for me, I always knew education was key to being successful because the more knowledge you have, the less people can misinform you. And my grandmother would always say, I need, you need to go to college. I want you to go to college. So luckily when I got to high school, I was tall and... People were like, hey, when you're tall, hey, you play basketball? No, but I'll try it. And so I got into basketball. I got a scholarship. So I went to college first. So most people think, oh, young, impoverished people going to the military because they can do nothing else. No, the military was a choice and a decision for me. It was an option. I had a degree in education. And I was also a mother by the time that I graduated college. And for me, I don't get into stereotypes. I don't buy into them. And so I wanted to go into a profession that would seem like all of the odds and the cards were stacked against me and succeed in that profession and show my son exactly how you beat stereotypes and how you rise above what others think of you in the military was the toughest career path that I could think of in order to prove that to him. That is so powerful. Also, how tall are you? Because I am also tall. <laughs> I'm six feet. Oh, yes. I'm 5'10", so I'm a shrimp next <laughs> to you. I am a shrimp, but... I would love to do one-on-one -on -one basketball with you and have you kick my ass. I think that would be really fun for me. Oh, both of my knees are replaced right now, so you, you'd probably win. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, then we might be an equal match. That might be what the, the, the great levelator of that game might be the knees. Well, bless you because, man, my poor dad's knees are going out and it's hard to watch. Poor guy. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I don't know if he's tall or not, but I would tell you the harder you are, that's more weight you have on top of your joints. And running, gunning in the military at six feet and 200 pounds for 17 years definitely wear, wears down on your joints. Yeah, my dad's 6'3", so we breed him tall in this house. Oh, yeah. I bet you have tall <laughs> sons too, don't you? Yes, my oldest, Brandon, is about 6'3", and my other one, he's pushing over five feet and he's 11. Oh, nice. He's still got some time on him. Definitely. 6'3 is such a nice height. It is, but I always tell him, he's like, Mom, you, now you gotta look up to me. And I told him, you know what? You're an extension of me, so I've always looked up to you. Your height oh, didn't matter. That's so beautiful. <laughs> oh. Okay, the next question I have for you. I would love to know a little bit about self-care while in the military. Because I know just from pop culture that really you're a team when you're in the military and every choice that you are that you make and that you are trained to do is efficient it is something that will better serve the mission so did you ever have any time for yourself and as a female are you are there rules for you in terms of how you can keep your hair and your skin the day-to-day -day routine in the morning can you go through all that with me 
I will tell you that I didn't practice or find self-care until after I left the military. Mm-hmm. Even though I had my cancer diagnosis in the military, I was not allowed to be a survivor until I got out of the military. Women have, we do have a hard time. So even though times are changed, you know, sometimes they say the more things change, the more they stay the same. There's still a lot of struggles that we have in the military and being a minority woman, there's even more struggles. I tell people just like racism exists in American society, obviously it exists in the, in the military society. And so I was always waking up, having to prove myself. They're talking about our bodies are policed, our hair is policed, clothing is policed, femininity is seen as a weakness. Divine feminine is ultimate sign of beauty and power and a strong existence. There will be no life without women. But I will tell you in the military, you are definitely having to conform to survive and you have to truly give up who you are in order to serve your nation, which it shouldn't have to be because I always tell, when I ask people, men, why did you join the military? Join the military to make a man of myself. You have never heard a woman say she joined the military to make a woman of herself. We were already women before we joined. So that wasn't a goal of ours was to become a woman. It was a goal to serve our country and be seen as equal counterparts. But like I said, again, we still have a long way to go to be seen that way. That is for sure. Are you allowed to use your own products? Because as you were just discussing, not only as a woman, but as a black woman, your hair is policed constantly. Are you allowed to use the products that you want? Because I can imagine if you weren't, then how are you able to even take care of your hair? It's not, it's just not as normal as those damn men washing their head with a damn piece of soap. <laughs> right. Some products you could use, but I would just tell you reference hair. Sometimes you just had to cut it. And sometimes when you're deployed, the salons are not catering to black hair and natural hair. So I just need to cut my hair off. Or if you can find somebody that can braid it, you braid it. And for a long time, it went back and forth with, can women wear locks? How can we wear our hair? And, you know, what looks good and what's neat? Even the color of our hair was police. And we all know that most women who are blondes are not natural blondes, especially mm-hmm. if you have black roots. But if a black woman would dye her hair blonde, it would be an issue. So I'm like, you can't say that there's a standard, but it clearly was a female standard and a black female standard, which wasn't right. Again, we already that there are black, white women and all the types of women that are buried in Arlington National Cemetery and whoever took their lives didn't distinguish them <laughs> because of their hair color. Do you know the percentage of who joined the military compared to men? Were you around a lot of other women or was it a pretty small group? We're definitely a a very pretty small group. I would say we're less than 30% of the military. So it it definitely is a, a profession where women are outnumbered. But I didn't have a problem with serving with a lot of men. That wasn't the issue. The issue was how I was perceived and treated by those men because I was a woman. I considered them my brothers. And that's not to say all of the men in the military are bad because they were not. Had a lot of good friends who were male friends, but there are also a lot of men who don't think women should be in the military. They think you need, should, you need to be home barefoot and pregnant or, or doing more womanly things. That's why a lot of military jokes, women sitting around, being around in the kitchen and making sandwiches. And it's, you know, like I said, even though we are in a, a very new area of how, era of how we're serving, we are still seen by some as inferior or second-class veterans. Well, that's a damn shame, and we're going to try to work on that, aren't we? Everybody listening to this Definitely. right now, you hear that? This is very powerful. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all that with us. As I said, I've interviewed a lot of women on the show, and this is something that has never come up, and I look for that, and, and that is why I was so excited to meet with you today. And now I'm sure you're... This is painful to discuss, and I really appreciate you going there, but your story 
is so wild. And the fact that you rose above it is what's so beautiful. But can you just take us back to when you were deployed? You were in New Orleans. And I would say two hurricanes hit you, honey, two. (laughs) A literal one and a one inside of your body. Take us back to that moment in time. 2005 was probably one of the roughest uh, years of my life. I was a lieutenant army. I was currently stationed in New Orleans in Naval Support Activity. And I got notified, hey, you just want a round trip ticket to Iraq. And I was actually excited because for a long time, women were not always allowed in leadership positions. And so I would be leading young men and women into a combat zone. I took that very seriously. A lot of their parents looked me in the eye and said, bring my son and daughter back safe. And I felt that sincerely because I had a son that also wanted his mother back safe. So we trained together. We did our normie storming and forming phases of, of building a team and we were cohesive. And then in August, I got hit with the first anvil. We were in uh, Fort McCoy training and the commander came in and let us know that a hurricane had hit New Orleans. And if you're from that area, most people don't evacuate. They just hunker down because systems come through so frequently. But this hurricane was Hurricane Katrina. And we know how bad that hurricane got. So I'm literally watching on TV as I'm realizing I'm losing everything physically that I earned. My son's not there. He's safe in Missouri. And I need to focus on taking these young men and women into a combat zone. So I basically had written it off. And then 30 days after that, right before I shipped to Iraq, I received the head, neck, and throat cancer diagnosis. People always say, well, Hurricane Katrina must have been terrible. Actually, for me, it was a perfect storm because I had complained about not feeling well and feeling like something was off to my leadership. But again, being a a woman in the military, oh, you're displaying weakness. And this is why women shouldn't be in leadership roles. And you're just the kind of leader who's going to get someone killed. And I was literally dying from the inside. So when Hurricane Katrina hit, then after the levees broke, they did a two-week pause in training because people couldn't locate their family members and wanted to make sure they were okay. So they did a two-week pause so people could salvage any goods and also locate their family members. I didn't care about the goods. My son was with my aunt. And so I went to the hospital to get a checkup. And from that checkup, I was diagnosed with a head, neck, and throat cancer called adenoid cystic carcinoma. I was stage two, stage three. It's a very rare cancer and a very aggressive cancer. The kicker to this cancer is most oral cancers are associated with smoking and I never smoked a day in my life. And so I basically had to leave my troops behind, leave my son behind and didn't start battling cancer. Probably one of the biggest fights I've had in my life. I can't even imagine getting the call because you don't feel well. You don't know what it could be. Oh, I have a cold. You don't know. They tell you you have aggressive, rare cancer. How did you keep going? What was the strength that got you through that moment? I feel I most you- people would give up and lay down and go, you know what, Katrina, take me, wash me over. This is too much. I can't do this. Well, I had a son and I'd always talk to him about overcoming your obstacles and getting through barriers. And even on my worst days, I just knew that I had to survive for him because I was a single mother and I would have orphaned him if I had not made it through cancer. And so he was always my guiding light, even though each radiation you know, therapy just burned me and hurt so bad. And I was in Brook Army Medical Center, which is in Texas. I was there for six months, had two surgeries and 30 cycles of radiation. 
but I had to live for my son. I had to get through it through my, through my son. And I, I had very bad days. And one day I was having like the worst day. And I went into the lobby because I locked myself out of my room and I was trying to get into the room key. And as I was standing there feeling bad, feeling irritated, probably looking visibly irritated, I saw a bunch of wounded men and women being wheeled in. Some were burned unrecognizably. Some had limbs lost and some probably didn't even know where they were. And I was like, you know what? At least you can look in the mirror and recognize yourself. And that was the last time I ever complained about anything because it could have been so much worse. And I know those people would have given anything just to be able to look in the mirror and see the men or women that they used to be. And so I still had that. And so that is where I found my solace. A gratitude practice. Yes. And what a reminder in even the darkest times to find gratitude. It's beautiful. Yeah. And positive self-talk, which I practice every day, definitely helps. And even before I found spirituality, I can now look back and see that there were remnants of spirituality existing throughout my life. I just wasn't paying attention. Right. You were getting little winks, but you just didn't know that's what they were. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And you say positive self-talk. Does that mean you would look in the mirror and you would say, I am tough. I'm a tough lady. I'm going to get through this. I love my son. I can handle anything God throws to me. Were these some of the things you were saying to yourself? Yes. Daily affirmations, positive mantras. I called myself beautiful, even though I felt bad. I'm like, hey, you may feel bad, but you look amazing. Anything that I could do to be positive to myself. Of course, the people around you are they're, they they have to be positive because there's a part of their job where they do feel compassion for you. But I was like, I noticed that regardless of what people were saying to me, if I wasn't saying it to myself, I wasn't truly going to feel it or it wasn't going to mean as much because I, I had to be present in my healing as well. Well, I'll say this. Your smile is megawatt. Your smile lights up the <laughs> damn room. That's one thing I would look in the mirror. I'd be like, I might be sick. My home might have been destroyed, but look at these teeth. I am a crest model. Nobody could take that. Thank you. <laughs> did You're you hilarious. Have, did you have braces as a kid? Were you just blessed? Did you not hear me say I was born in the projects? Where are we getting braces from, Jackie? Where are we getting braces from? <laughs> All right, you got me. We got you some got toothpaste me. and some baking soda. That was about it. <laughs> well, you know what? You were blessed. Somebody gave you those teeth and they're fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I read in around this time though, you did hit a depression and that is something that you still struggle with. I know there's obviously there's medical help and things. What are some things that you can do for yourself that help you keep your depression at bay, keep you present? Well, the one thing I wanted to say is I also had to change myself, talk about that, about that. Instead of saying I struggle with depression, depression is something that I live with. Yes. And so for me, what helps me through some of my down days is, again, positive self-talk. I practice meditation. I practice mindfulness. And of course, I have a ritual of spirituality that I do each day, no matter if it's for a minute, five minutes. I think for people, they think when you have to do things for yourself, they have to be so enormous or elaborate. Just looking in the mirror and saying every morning, good morning, beautiful. You know, it just does, it does wonders. But yeah, I have different practices that I do each day that are for myself before I go to work, while I'm at work, when I'm home, when I'm with my family, while I'm just sitting around, I'm always doing something for me, even if it's just thinking of myself in a positive light. I want, if you wouldn't mind, Major, I would love if you could say, good morning, Jackie, you are beautiful. And then I can play it back for me in your voice. Okay. Good morning, Jackie. You are beautiful. 
Powerful. <laughs> Powerful, honey. Everyone's jealous now. Everyone's going to be jealous that I got that. And if your name is Jackie, feel free to use it. <laughs> Jackie TM. That's right. That's right. Okay. Where do we want to go from here? So you go through treatment. You come out the other side in remission, which is already a, a blessing and a miracle. But then you realize, oh, wow, I don't have a home now. Hurricane yeah. Katrina took my damn house. Yeah, I think uh, at that point I had to humble myself and ask for help. As uh, a soldier at that time, asking help, asking for help was not something that was promoted. If you ask for help, it's because you're failing yourself or it's because you missed an opportunity. Well, obviously, I didn't cause Hurricane Katrina and I didn't cause cancer. But I had to humble myself and say, you know what, I need help. Me and my son need help. And I'm not going to let him be on the street because I'm going to let pride prevent me from doing that. So I called my aunt when he was standing and I asked her, can I come and sleep on your couch? She had two kids of her own. And she said, absolutely, I won't let you be out on the street. And she helped me. A lot of people, she and she could have said no because she already had her hands full being a single mom with two kids, but she helped me. And so that's when I was able to get on my feet. I decided to pay that forward and help other women in my situation. Yes, perfect segue. There are so many issues that veterans face. And something that is not discussed very widely is the homeless issue. And specifically women veterans. The The statistic was, I, I was reading and looking over all of your materials, and I was in disbelief. How upsetting to find this out. And you sprung into action. Can you get into a little bit of that with me? Just explain, how does this happen to these women? How does this happen to our veterans? Well, I will tell you that women veterans, when it comes to the Department of Veterans Affairs medical system and just a system as a support mechanism, always seen women as an afterthought. Now, of course, again, it's getting better, but I don't always like to skip to, yeah, it's getting better because mm -hmm. it was bad for a long time. And there were a lot of women who couldn't get the help, who needed it, who not only deserved it, but they earned it. Military service, we were not drafted. We've always been volunteers. And so with somebody... And when you talk about beauty, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than a woman who will raise her hand in service to a country and die for it. And even though how her country sees her, she doesn't care because she has this calling. And we all know when you have a calling and you want to do something, it means something totally different to you because now you have purpose. Yes. And for me, I just felt bad. I felt, you know, why are these women being looked over? Why are they being neglected? And so I realized that always the strongest, powerful you have in any arsenal, regardless of what your socioeconomic status is, is your voice. And I decided to put my voice to work on behalf of homeless women and their and veterans and their children. And not only that, I put my, my, my work and my passion behind my voice and built an organization, which you mentioned earlier, that was called Final Salute. We've raised over $4 million. We've assisted over 7,000 women, veterans, and children over 30 states and territory. And we've done this all without one single federal dollar. The first grant I got, I believe, was $25,000. And obviously, people may say, that's not a lot. But to me, it was. It was everything. That's a I lot had, to me, it, damn. I had a starting point. And I went and I put down six months worth of deposit on the house. And half of my board left. Because... They didn't know where the rest of the money was coming from. I didn't know where the rest of the money was coming from. 
but I knew it was coming because I didn't believe I was on a failing mission. I believed in myself. And I tell people, it's great for other people to believe in you. But if you don't believe in yourself, you will never accomplish your goals. I used to talk about dreams. I don't talk about dreams anymore because people look at dreams as fictional characters that happen in your mind. So when I talk about things that I want to achieve, I say goals. So it was my goal to open transitional housing facilities for homeless women veterans. And we did just that. But not only that, I wanted to aid in prevention because I know there's a lot of money and good money to be made in prolonging the problem. And so I've been on the Hill and I've talked to veterans councils and congressmen and senators and yeah, we're going to help you. And this is a great thing you're doing. And you never hear from them again. I don't go to them thinking they're going to change the world, but I go to them because I know that my voice will resonate, that they'll remember, even if they don't do anything, what they remember was said, and you would hope that want something deep within them would say, her voice matters, what she does matters. So I'm just not out there giving lip service. I am actually providing a solution, again, which is prevention. And that organization, we also, we actually celebrated 10 years last year. I met a lot of resistance when I first started. People would say things like, nobody knows you. You don't have a whole lot of money. And you don't have a a huge backing. And I simply said, you don't need a cape to be someone's hero. You do not. Just telling Jackie she's beautiful brought a smile to her face. So it's not about the money. It's about the passion. Money are one of those things that will come. It can come and it can be lost. But you can never lose how you made someone feel. That is so beautiful. And um, you're hitting on so many core beliefs of mine and attribute. Especially when you said, what's more beautiful than serving your country? I completely agree. And it is so, I bet you have brought joy and smiles to so many women's faces when you give them the keys to the door of a home and say, you can have somewhere to rest tonight. You and your children are going to be safe and warm tonight. Yeah, it's definitely... What I feel from them is gratitude. And it's not the feeling of actually just putting them in the home and helping them and their children. They are trusting me with them and their children. And for me, that is the highest compliment to trust me, even though I'm a veteran. To most of these women, I'm a complete stranger. But it is something that I said. It is something that I make. It is a way that I make them feel. It is something that resonates with them that makes them feel that they can trust me and their children. And for me, that is the highest compliment. Fabulous. How often do you get to go visit? some of the women that you work with. Do you still do that on the ground floor or are you more of the executive level now? No, I've always been very hands-on with the women. I've mentored them. I've done vision boy parties with them. We've went out to brunch. We've had mimosas. We've done all types of fun girl things. I don't feel because you're in a transitional housing facility that you should feel institutionalized, especially someone who's who served their country and people looked at the beautiful house we have for them. Like, wow, this house is really beautiful. And I would just say things like, hey, if you put, put, put people in something that's beautiful and appreciative, they'll feel beautiful and appreciative. But you also, if you put people in a piece of shit, they'll feel that way. And I was never going to, they already it's already a tough situation going through homelessness, but going there and having a curfew, having to ask people for socks, having to ask people for this. That was their home. They had keys to their home. When they were hungry, they ate. When they wanted to cook something, they cooked. When they wanted to go outside and do whatever, they could do that. These are grown women. These are warriors. They were not prisoners of my organization. And they were also not damsels in distress. They were women who were basically forgotten about a system that they were willing to give their life to. And so I was able to show them 
of the appreciation that I had, not only as a fellow American, but also as a woman veteran who wished I would have had something like my organization in my time of need. And when I was looking for homes and putting it together, the only thing I would say is, would I want me and my children to live here? Would I consider this a beautiful home for me and my children? And that was how I picked places for them to live. It was not, oh, what was cheap? If you look at most of shelters, I, when I would tour them, they're next to a crime infested area or there's a liquor store. Not that there's anything wrong with liquor stores, but obviously if you're trying to, Inspire. you know, I, I put them, right. And I put them in an environment where everyone around them is working and thriving because why? Because then they would want to work and thrive. And so it was by design. My entire organization was by design. Yes. I believe they call those fertile conditions. <laughs> you create fertile conditions for creativity, happiness, abundance, and that's beautiful. Thank you. You are a Natch Butte. If I Google <laughs> Natch Butte, your face is going to pop right up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk to you about the lessons learned in the military that can be used in all of your life's philosophies. I know two off the bat just from our conversation. One is always be on time. And number two, <laughs> never leave a soldier behind. That seems to be something that you have really taken to heart, especially with your organization. Mm -hmm. Elaborate on those slash give us a few more. What are some lessons from the military that you have incorporated into your life? When I was getting ready to start my organization, I obviously did research. And I said, you know what? Maybe there are organizations are doing what I'm doing. Maybe I just don't know about them because I'm not a fan of reinventing the wheel or trying to, hey, I got a better mousetrap. And so when I was looking and doing my research, there was not one organization that existed that was supporting transitional housing for homeless women, veterans, and their children. And so how I tie that in into the military is say you're on a mission, there's a body of water in front of you and you're like, we can't swim through or get our tanks through this body of water. What do you do? You build a bridge. And so I looked at my organization as build a bridge. In the military, we're not taught to focus on the problems. We're taught to find solutions. And so that is something that I've, that I've always taken through the military. Now I'm going to tell you something very funny. And I know that you're a girl who likes a good funny. You better believe it, hon. <laughs> So the, the biggest thing that I learned in the military was not to make stuff up because you always hear in civilian society, fake it till you make it. You don't have to fake anything. People are either going to like you or they're not. So don't try to cater to whatever that person's perception may be of you. And so my first day of basic training, Joseph told us all, you don't know how to do something, just say you can't do it. Don't make shit up, he would say, but don't make stuff up. And so a few years ago, I was publicly speaking all over. And sometimes I get invited to events that have absolutely nothing to do with pu public speaking. People just want my aura, my spirit around them. 
And so I got invited into a book club meeting. I do not read for leisure. That is one of the things that I do not do. Everything I read is for educational or spiritual journey purposes. It is not just because I want to read a 5,000 page book on GP. Not going to happen. And so I was dodging this book club because I did not want to go or have to read that book. And so the lady cornered me in the uh, grocery store one time because the city I lived in before was a very was a very small area. And she's like, Jazz, you are such a hard woman to get a hold of. We've been trying to get you for months. I'm like, girl, I know my calendar, right? <laughs> and she said, well, pull it up on your phone. <gasps> she called you out. And so pulled up my calendar, saw a free date. Oh, looks like you have a date right there. We'll take that date. So I was like, okay, I'll see you soon. And she left. I was like, oh my God, why did you do that? Why you just didn't say you didn't have your phone or whatever. And so I guess a book club, you read a book a month and then you all get together with drinks and you talk about the book. I still did not read the book. And so before I walked into the book club, I texted my aunt and I said, hey, Melissa, what is 50 Shades of Grey about? Mm-hmm. And she simply texts me back S and M. That translated to me to mean social media. Oh wow! So this is <laughs> I see so where this, this is going. This is the mindset I'm going into the meeting with. And so the lady, they're all dressed very nice. They have their drinks laid out, nice wine, tea and crumpets, and all these things. They have really put on a great spread, a great spread for Jazz Booth. And they say, Jazz, we are so honored for you to be here. We are so amazed and inspired by all of your work. And since you're our guest, we would like for you to do your book review first. And I'm like, oh, I'm about to kill this. And I go, who doesn't love S&M? I am the queen of S&M. I do it at work. I do it at home. No, I'm not supposed to do it in my car. Sometimes I do. And then I end with not my husband's thing, but he likes to watch. Did they all spit their tea and crumpets out in their laps? Their faces were all red. And I was just like, oh my God, I I must have really killed this. And so they did, you know, they interesting. Thank you. And then they went around the group. And as I'm listening to what the story is actually about, I'm now realizing that I look like the biggest freak (laughs) this side of the Mason Dixon line. And so I waited till they went around and they came back to me and I admitted that I didn't read the book. But sometimes you say things that cannot be taken back. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things that couldn't be taken back. So after the book club, when I would see the lady in the grocery store, she would go the other way. <laughs> so Well, at least again, she didn't have to read any more books. Don't make stuff up. <laughs> that Wow. That fake it till you make it mentality is so prevalent in Los Angeles. I don't know why, but I do that. And I know it's because I have a hard time asking for help. And there's a lot to unpack there with the therapist. But <laughs> it, I feel it takes strength to say, I need help. Especially as a woman, it can be very hard to say, hey, I need some help over here, man. And to be honest that you don't know something is also very vulnerable. But we all need to do that. Yeah. And I agree. But, you know, the, the more I looked at what actually it means to be strong, I think asking for help is one of the strongest things you can do because you realize that you're vulnerable. But to even have the friends and to have the network to ha- ask for help is such a blessing. Yes. Could you imagine someone needing help and wanting to ask for help and has nobody? That's why I would say, you know, what, no one is put on this earth to exist alone. We're all destined to connect energy in some way. 
And that's because you need to ask for help. You need to have someone and have and have a circle and have a network. And I always talk heavily about tribe. I have a lot of veteran sisters who are my tribe and who they can call me for anything. I can call them for anything. I had a friend who recently lost her husband to cancer and he was only 36 years old. She lost him in May. Me and my husband uh, were getting ready to go to Hawaii in, for the 4th of July. And this would have been her first holiday, her without her husband and the kids without their father. She had three. And I said, you know what? Why don't you and the kids come to Hawaii with us? And so my org facilitated where she didn't have to pay anything. And it wasn't, obviously she's a widow, she's taken care of, but it wasn't about the money. And I'm not really a person about money. I'm a person about experiences. Mm -hmm. And she was our family and she is our family. And so we all went to Hawaii and we had an amazing time. And she told me for for one of the boys, that was the first time he had smiled in a long time. Mm -hmm. And we had a great time just within our tribe and realizing that she needed us. And sometimes people ask for help without saying, hey, I need help. People telling you what's going on with them, if you pay attention, they're asking for help without saying, hey, I need you to help me. And so, like I said, you have to be, which is when we get more into what I'm doing from a beauty perspective, which is why I say you have to be very self-aware and in tune with your mind, listen to your intuition and be open to the additional signs around you to truly pick up what people are, are, are trying to, what message they're trying to give to you. Powerful, and yes, let's talk beauty. Major Jazz, because what are you up to? You're starting a brand. Yeah, I'm up up to a a lot of stuff. So obviously I started my nonprofit naturally because of the success of my nonprofit, I went into speaking. So it's really funny that the people would say, you know, well, nobody knows you. And I can always say, well, Oprah does, you know. Right. (laughs) You're a standing O recipient, right? That's right. Yeah. And people always ask me, how was it like to meet Oprah? And I was like, you know what? I wonder if people ask Oprah, what was it like to meet Jazz Booth? They should. You know, and I say that because Oprah is an amazing woman, amazing philanthropist, and she was amazing at the job that she did. But we need to not lower ourselves in any capacity because of where someone ranks in society. Mm -hmm. And so I asked questions like that. And they said, oh, do you want to be the next Oprah? No, I'm going to be the next Jazz Booth. Love yourself pedestal yourself without the compliments. And for the past two years, well, obviously COVID happened about two years ago and a lot of my regimens had to be changed, especially I had both of my knees replaced. I had to go through spinal fusion surgery. So going to the gym a lot was self-care for me. So that was something that I couldn't do anymore. Going outside, being with my friends, traveling with my family was something I couldn't do anymore. And depression just started to just climb back up. And so I said, I have to find a better way to manage my stuff now because things have changed. I think a lot of us, we get into a routine. Well, a ritual is something different from a routine. Mm-hmm. You understand? And so I have friends that were in the spiritual community and said, have you ever thought about meditation? I'm like, I'm not Asian. I don't meditate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do yoga. Yeah. And they were like, no. A lot of people, certain parts of spirituality and even certain parts of religion to different races, cultures, and things like that, when actually religion and spirituality and everything else is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find my fit. And I did find you know, so much in mindfulness and meditation. And although I was still taking my medication and I was going to my doctor, I was not actively involved in my self-care. I was relying on other people who were professions in this field to heal me and to make me all better. And so that's why I say we all have to be active components 
of our healing process, regardless of what we're going through. And so for me, I really, and I would say, what can, what do I do every day that I can get more out of doing every day? Every day we get up, we have to wash our face and brush our teeth. Mm -hmm. Well, most people do. And so I was like, you know what, instead of saying that you're washing your face, say I am connecting with my face. And so instead of just touching my body and doing things like that, I'm connecting and I am in tune to my faces. My hands are touching my face. My hands are touching my forehead. Just everything that I'm doing, I am so in tune to that. And all the while just thinking how beautiful I am, how great I am just taking care of myself every day. And many people do not realize the mind and skin connection. And if you think about it, when you are blushing, it's all over your face, but you get that blushing from your mind. Someone says, Hey girl, you're looking good today. Or if a guy hits on you or whatever, Hey, if it's a girl that hits on you and that's your thing, that's fine too. But you blush because your mind has made you feel a shyness or a, a compliment. You can see when you're not getting enough water or taking care of yourself or treating your body badly, you get bags under your eyes, you get dark circles. When you're upset, stress levels rise, you break out, you get acne. That's all a mind-skin connection. And for what most people don't know is that the mind is connected. Your skin, first of all, is your body's largest organ. People may think it's your heart, it's your lungs. It's actually your skin. Your skin is an organ. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about how much interaction your skin has on a daily basis with everything that you do, you will see the connection. And so me, I wanted to combine spirituality with a not necessarily a beauty regimen, but with a self-care regimen. And that's when I came up with acne awakening. And acne has to deal with your brow chakra, which sits right here. And that's where you get your intuition from. And for me, that is your most important chakra because that's how you see things for really are. That's where you get those gut feelings. And you know, you like follow your gut or this doesn't feel right. It comes from here. In addition to our skincare line, obviously I have a few things up here. We have yes. coconut and charcoal face wash. We have our moisturizer and we also have our facial mask. You don't have to spend a lot um, to take care of yourself, but self-care should be a daily ritual. And so for me, I looked at what is something that people do every day. We wash our face every day. So let's start the mind-skin connection there. I'm also developing a meditation app. I didn't realize how long those things take. Oh, yeah. So with our, you know, tagline for Agnia is to mind your skin. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I think if people, if you can help people change their mindset about how they think about themselves and how they see beauty, then they will take the superficiality out of it. And if you feel beautiful inside and outside, there's nothing anybody can say to you. And so that's why I decided to put my product together with combining spirituality so you can truly see it as a ritual and self-care and not just, I'm just washing my face because I need to wash my face because that's what you get up and do in the morning. I'm going to wake up and the first thing I'm going to do is connect with myself. So now everything you're doing has purpose. (laughs) You're not just washing your face, you're connecting with yourself and you are checking in with your own intuition, which a lot of times as women, we are conditioned to not listen to. So it is very powerful to take that back and say, no, actually my little voice is listening and it is looking out for me and I do trust it and I do trust myself. And all of those things are happening while you wash your face. This is all so up my alley. 
<laughs> that is why when I heard about you, I said, I need to get Major Jazz Booth on Attribute. This is exactly what we say on here. We say all of these things. We say it is a self-care ritual. And these rituals are what inform our entire beauty and our being. Yeah, and also like with the facial mask, you keep it on for 20 to 30 minutes. That's mm-hmm. a perfect time where you can just meditate mm-hmm. while you're waiting for the essences to um, absorb into your skin. You can also light a candle for that smell to go along with that touch and to, to set the ambiance in the room. And the one thing I really love about spirituality is it's all individual and it's all self-catered. I don't do yoga. I can't do yoga. But if I wanted to do yoga, I wouldn't do yoga because it's not my thing. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that people can't connect to spirituality to yoga. Some people connect to spirituality through music, some people through nature, and some through other people. Me, I am self-sufficient as a spiritualist because I, again, realize how much relying on other people for my happiness, for my compliments, for my health has hurt me in the long run. Now, I realize that those people are resources, but I am the best doctor and nurse for myself, regardless of what I'm going through. I don't know if you're familiar with RuPaul's famous phrase that ends every episode of Drag Race, but it's, if you can't love yourself, who the hell's the hell you going to love love somebody somebody else? else. (laughs) Yes. You can have people hit like and tell you how hot you look on your Instagram all day. But if you don't find that within yourself, that it's never truly going to connect. You have to know that you are beautiful. Exactly. You say that you have influencers that have taken their life. You've had very, very rich people who have taken their life and people look at them. And the first thing is they say is oh, they have so much money and so many followers. Why did they do that? As opposed to what was going on in their life that they didn't love themselves enough right. or value their lives outside of likes and money. I always look at the deeper narrative. Robin Williams is one of the funniest people who were ever created but when he was in front of people he always put on that good face and that funny face because he knew that's what people related him to i believe if anybody ever saw him sad they may have been like hey is something going on with you so again when i talk about keeping up appearances it can hurt you because people that's just like when some people there say women go do domestic violence and something happens to them and they don't tell their friends and they say you know i never knew right you know, cause that, cause they're covering it up with makeup or they are not seeing anything. And again, sometimes you can just pay attention to certain things, but there are a lot of people who are very good at putting up a side because they don't want to ask for help, don't know how to ask for help, or they think that asking help is a, is a wrong thing, but also they don't want you to see them as being weak. And that was something that was preached so hard in the military and something I had to battle a long time with. But nobody can define your worth. Even on your worst day, you can say you're having a bad day, but you can't tell me I'm having a bad day. You don't know what's going on with me. So whatever I'm projecting based on how I'm feeling has absolutely nothing to do with you. That is important to remember when somebody, I always say when somebody like cuts me off in traffic, I'm like, you know what? Maybe he has diarrhea. (laughs) You know, maybe he's having a rough day. I try to really see that in somebody because I hope that, a person would do the same for me. Yeah. And I just take so many things in perspective. And I've obviously been through a lot of my life and people say, what did you learn most about the traumas that you've been through? And I said, I haven't been through any traumas. I've only been through lessons. Things have happened and I've learned from them, but I'm never going to have anything hold a title of me of trauma. I won't consider anybody an enemy. 
You know how much energy that takes for you to constantly dislike someone because they dislike you, but try to match energy for energy. Nobody's worth your no. energy or your expanding extra energy just because they want to be negative. No, I have better Don't things to all. spend my energy on personally. <laughs> exactly. That's so, so powerful. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, Jazz, I'm inspired. I know everyone's inspired. People are pulling over on the side of the road with tears in their eyes. You're changing the world. Oh, yeah. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, yeah. Please tell us. I want to know, okay, if we want to donate to Final Salute. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to tell us where we can find your new product line and where we can keep up with you on the internet because everybody's going to want to know what you're up to now. Sure. For Final Salute, if you want to donate to our nonprofit, it's www.finalsaluteinc.org. And we just did our soft launch on our website for Agnia Awakening, and it's agnia, A J N A awakening.com. And again, you can. We have our facial masks there, our mm-hmm. moisturizers, our cleansers, and if you sign up for our subscription list, we have some also some great things coming out. Uh, a dear friend of mine who lives in Bali went to a very special place, and I'm not going to give it up, but for the, the first um, hundred or so people that place an order, they're going to get a very spiritual piece that comes from a very spiritual place, but I'm not going to give away exactly where it came from, but when, if you do buy something, you will get the piece and you will actually get the origins of where it was blessed because again i believe in connecting and i want people to connect first with themselves but also i believe in putting out quality products and i never thought that i would ever be in the the skincare and beauty industry but i also never thought i would be a nonprofit leader all these things were destined for me and as they come along I embrace them. I am at Jazz Booth One on Instagram. Also, it says God is Juliet Bravo. That is my spiritual name. I no longer have a Facebook page or LinkedIn because I felt like too many people have too much access to me. Mm-hmm. And so don't have LinkedIn anymore. Don't have Facebook. But you can definitely follow me on Instagram at Jazz Booth Number One. Because, honey, you are number one. And we love it. <laughs> I love your hair wrap. I love your nails. You're rocking the French Manny right now. I am. I kept these nails from when we were in Hawaii. I usually have short nails, but I was like, you know what? These actually look pretty cute. So I'm going to keep them for a little yeah, bit. It's a vaca- <laughs> we love a vacation nail. And I love that the French manicure has come back. When I was in high school in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was the rage. And then it went away, but it's back. Everything is cyclical with the fashions. That is true. That is definitely true. Well, the nails are looking beautiful. Your skin looks gorgeous and you absolutely glow from within because of your resilience. And I am inspired and so honored that you were here today with me. So thank you again, Major Jazz Booth, for joining me on Natch Mute. Thank you, Jackie. It was an honor to be here. And if you're ever in LA, you better call me. And you're where are you right now? I'm actually in Virginia, but me and my husband do make it out to LA quite a bit. We're we're still waiting for COVID to mm-hmm. clean up a little bit. I am vaccinated and my little boy has asthma. So we got to wait till we get the all clear, but we will definitely be visiting. I'll be looking you up and we okay. can go somewhere 
and you know have some girl talk yeah hey i just got this house and uh we can cook and eat and and just chat my husband's actually a very good cook so he can cook while we chat i'm putting him to work it's official (laughs) thank you so much jazz remember everybody nashby.com will have an episode guide today with links to everything that jazz and i have been discussing and i want to also say to my listeners that you deserve to be happy yeah i'm talking to you and don't forget to cream your neck keep your fringe fresh. Major Jazz Booth, do you cream your neck? What is that? Basically, when you do your moisturizer, hmm? instead of just ending on your face, do you pull it up and do your neck as well? Oh, you said clean. I thought you said cream your neck. I'm like, well, that's a new one. Yes. Oh, I did say <laughs> yes. cream. I oh, okay. Did. You got to cream up. You got to cream yes. that neck. Yes, I do. I also use a gemstone facial roller after I moisturize, of course, too, to help the smoothing and to yes. help the essence sink in. But it also helps your skin stay flat, it helps us to stay moisturized and get more of the essence in there. And yeah, I have a very <laughs> strict ritual with my face, but it's my face and you should appreciate it and love it and do everything you can for it and also the rest of your body. So that is right. She's telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> 